It sounds simple. It's what you're thinking. We should fire Anthony Blinken. <laughs> These are the sounds of a man that's Yellowstone peeled. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I... I uh... Yes, I'm almost done with season one of Yellowstone. And I'm like trying to save my takes for it because I want to do an entire episode. Maybe I I might want to devote my entire life to figuring out this. the dissection of Yellowstone. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. My favorite shit that <laughs> dude, like I lost it. There's like two old timers standing on a gate and they're watching John Dutton's like 73 year old ass like ride a bucking Bronco. And one of them's like, his doctor's my son and he cut out a six inch piece of his colon the other day. He got cancer. And the other one's like, damn, damn. It's like, dude, <laughs> in what world is like a 73 year old man riding a bucking Bronco after having like a foot of his colon cut out? Dude? Well, what he's telegraphing is that uh, it's real men, uh, you know. Ranch in the Yellowstone and get on Bunker of Broncos, even though they've had part of their intestines <laughs> snatched out. That's what a real man does. But he's also like <laughs> a real a real man defies doctor's orders and gets sepsis. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's also like having an affair with the governor, uh, and I mean, dude, uh, it's just I like I I. I'm very confused by it, right? Because I was like, I started the show and I was like, oh, like the concept's great. Got a great concept. But the execution is so insane. Like someone dies every 15 minutes. Like, I know this sounds really boring. Like if you've seen the show, you're like, yeah, that's what Yellowstone is. But, you know. Well, as I said before, it's basically Sons of Anarchy, but swap out bikers for cowboys. Uh huh. And then the other thing is, is, you will be you will be i don't know if you'll be relieved or you'll feel like you felt when that guy wrote that blog post about ellis keys that just kind of dead ended and left you on a cliffhanger but the writing on this show just sort of dead ends Uh and like the next season two and season three are pretty good you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but the last one or two seasons is just so circular and it's like clear that they just don't know what to do with the show (laughs) Well, I, part of the reason is that like Taylor Sheridan, he writes with archetypes, right? Yeah, like that, yeah. that, that this is the constant across all of his products. Like that movie Wind River and Hell or High Water. It's like he picks a few archetypes and then like shades them in. And that's the, that's right, the whole right. thing. It's like yeah. you can't really, with a movie that fucking kills, like that works. You can do that with a movie. Yeah, with a TV Sicario. show, yeah, like with a TV show, you have to keep fucking upping the ante. To like, and then yeah, and then at a certain point, which is crazy because he owns TV right now. Like, he basically has like forty shows running uh-huh. concurrently. You know, yeah. he's got Tulsa King, uh, Mayor of East Town, not to be confused with Mayor of East. Right, maybe Mayor of something. Mayor, mayor of Mayor. Of East Mayor, Town. yeah, but there's also a show called Mayor of East. Town. I forget. I get those two mixed up. I mean, I, I just watched it, the episode I watched right before I came over here. By the way, th- you're getting vacation trillbillies this week. Like I'm, you know, I, I 
I have we, been. We weren't paying my... attention this way. <laughs> to what? So we weren't paying attention this week. <laughs> I got. I've been caving my brain in with fucking Yellowstone. <laughs> like before I came over here, this fucking park ranger got impaled on a fence post because a horsefly landed. On oh, it. I thought you meant like that oh, yeah, happened. Like I was like, you know, that also happened in. Wait a sec. <laughs> now my real life has not been that exciting. Other than the um, former felon named Dwayne, I flew next to on the airplane out of Lubbock. That was the most exciting, like slice of life I've had lately. What did you and Dwayne talk about? Well, <laughs> Yellowstone. <laughs> no, like I, I sat down and he was like, uh, you know, like had no bags had nothing just with the clothes him. on his back he bought a sweater in the airport he bought a sweatshirt in the airport because he was cold like that that's all he had was like the clothes on his back and he was like tatted up and like we were sitting on the air on the runway and he starts freaking out man he's like <laughs> like breathing really hard and heavy and he's putting his head between his legs and finally i was like are you, are you okay man like are you all right and he was like man i'm just claustrophobic I've just never flown before. I'm really claustrophobic. I got, I like, I got to get the fuck off this airplane. And I was like, man, like, I was like, I don't think they'll let you off. Like, if if you try to run, they'll think you have a bomb or something. And and the, and the the <laughs> you like trust me, I've tried. <laughs> the undercover they cuffed police. and stuffed me. The the airline marshals. <laughs> I told him. I said the airline marshal will see will see you running. And he was like, man, I, I didn't even think i'd be able to get on this flight like my daughter kept telling me that former felons can't fly and i was like i was like no they, they can't vote or own a gun <laughs> no 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 <laughs> it's your uh, constitutional rights that have been revoked but yeah they'll let you buy a ticket anywhere <laughs> and the contiguous 48 that is <laughs> uh-huh. he was freaking out he was losing his shit and then the guy on the other side of me across the aisle he kind of felt he kind of found it amusing uh, because he was like, man, normally this would be me. Like I'd be the one freaking out and losing my shit. And I was like, it's like, how did I get put in between like two guys? Cause like, I'm the opposite. Like, you know, me, you're, you're slightly hoping the plane goes down. <laughs> I, I, I am hoping the plane goes down. <laughs> Just takes a lot of decisions off of your plate. <laughs> it, it, I, I have, I've dreamed about it for years and, and I, let me tell you why. It would fix a lot of my problems. Yes, it would take all a lot of decisions off my plate. All my, uh, like, um, you know, I think that like if it was happening, it would feel like a dream, right? It wouldn't feel like real life. You'd be like, "Is this real? Is this happening?" Yeah. And you get to go out like that. You're not yeah. like shot in the chest. You're not like squirming in pain or anything. So it's, if if you just heard a guttural scream from the cockpit and just felt like the plane just dropped fifteen hundred feet in a second, you just you just throw your arms up like it's a roller coaster. And just... I mean, it'll never happen to me because I actually want it to happen, and life doesn't work like that. Like the things you want to happen don't actually ever happen. You know. <laughs> Here's what I'm wondering. <clears throat> Do you think anybody has ever abdicated their exit row responsibility? Yeah. Like, like, okay, so here's what I'm saying. It's like you paid. Here's the thing is you want me to pay the extra cash for the six inches of leg room and help out in an emergency? Pick a horse and ride it, pal. Well, there's no, in, it doesn't matter the emergency unless it lands on water. But other than that, like, it doesn't matter anyways. 
do, do people also not understand that water turns into concrete at a certain, <laughs> you know, but that's, they want you to open the door right before you hit the water and throw out one baby. Right. And hope yeah. that, that, you know, that's what I'm going to tell them next time I take the exit. I'm going to say yes, but with conditions. Uh huh. And I'm going to name what those are. Here's the most you're going to get out of me. If this sucker goes down, I'll pop the hatch open. That is, if I'm like still conscious, I'll probably be losing, like, you know, in the <laughs> event that happens, I probably won't be as lucid as, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but I will grab one baby and throw it into whatever river we land on. That way it has a puncher's chance of survival. <laughs> what the thing is, is it would probably just get sucked into the engine and just blended. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> well, that's not what I had in mind. Anyway. See you in hell, boys. <laughs> I just jump off and dive into the river and swim up. There's no situation where being the doorman to the unknown is going to actually save anybody's life. I just want to know who the poor bastard is, too, that's like the plane went down and there's like several people dying or dead, mm-hmm. like half the plane's torched or whatever, and he like still stays in the pocket and helps those that remain off like dutifully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't know that that's ever happened. I'd be pissed. I would like, be I guess out. it happened with that one movie, uh, Scully. Shul- what was the name? Sully? Sully, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he set that puppy down, saved everybody's life. Well, he was drunk, though. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, when I was like in... um, They made us... <laughs> this is like the broke-ass fucking drug rehab thing I did. They made us watch that movie. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. They were like, this is what drugs and alcohol will do to you. I was like, what turn you into a hero? <laughs> uh, Tom, you missed the point. The thing is, is that he's a functional alcoholic and there's no such thing. So he becomes more dependent on the alcohol, but it also gets him into more shit. And so the feedback loop keeps escalating. You know what I'm saying? I so, hear you. That was the lesson. But when I think Captain Sullenberger, I think hero. I don't think guy that trapped in a feedback loop. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I see. I see what you're saying. So listen, I'm not against AA or any of that, but uh, I just think maybe <laughs> they need to rethink the Sullenberger example. <laughs> you think that was a one case where like being an alcoholic actually helped? Probably. Maybe if he wasn't boozed up, he wouldn't have made such a reckless decision that just so happened to pay off. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you're probably you could be right, but didn't you could yeah. argue there are hundreds of people alive today because of Sullenberger's alcoholism? <laughs> you could argue that reasonably, but didn't him being a drunk get them in the situation in the first place where he had to pull off an an insane, hey, extraordinary? Listen, you're focusing on all the wrong sorts of details there. <laughs> all right, uh huh. Well, Captain Cook. Anyways, Dwayne, the former felon, was like. Freaking the fuck out, and then and then they get on the air, you know, intercom, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna be here for another thirty minutes on the runway." And he's losing his shit. He's as soon as he hears that, he starts freaking the fuck out. And I was like, I was like, "Just breathe, man. Tell me about your life." <laughs> and he was like, "He's like, I deliver games, like for like Kino. What is Kino a casino game? Is that like a gambling game?" Well, I mean, yeah, it can be, yeah. I don't even know what it is. It's a lottery. It's usually, yeah, it's a lottery game in Kentucky. Um, well, they got him in uh, Texas too. Apparently, 
He's like, he drove down from Dallas to deliver a bunch of games, dropped off his truck, and then they just bought him a plane ticket back to Dallas. And, um, and uh, he was telling me he's got a daughter and he was telling me about his life. And then the plane takes off. And, uh, and he's like, oh, fuck. He's like, he's like screaming, oh, shit, man. And really? Like, yeah, dude. And people, people around us, like some people are like really annoyed. Some people are like trying to tune it out. And then um, we get in the air and we start like banking left and banking right. And like, and he's like, oh, oh, shit. He's like screaming. And like, again, he's and then I love this guy. Like he honestly, it was kind of endearing. It was his first time flying, and like he was like, This is fucking beautiful. He's like, Look, you can see the sunrise. The sun like, like a few minutes into it, he's like, This is cool, actually. <laughs> no, that's what happened. He he came to love it. And um and, there's a lesson there too. Yeah, there is a lesson. And the guy sitting on the other side of me who normally has flight anxiety, their roles switched because Dwayne was like Man, I was so scared. I thought the plane was he's like, I thought the wing was just going to break off and we were just going to plummet into the ground. And everyone around us was just like, like, you and, and you're like, and you're like, you're like, yeah, yeah. Pity that pity that that's not how it played out. <laughs> or, you know, you're like, you're like, you're like, yeah, and isn't it great that it didn't go down? I mean, and that would have been the perfect one too, man, because like dying next to a guy like Dwayne would have been, you know, poetic and magical. You know what I mean? Because it would have been his first plane ride. He's like in his 50s. He had to have been in his 40s or 50s. Like his first plane ride, it like starts off scary, but then becomes whimsical and and fun. And he's elated. And then it (laughs) turns south really fast. And what happened? It turns out if it would have gone down. Oh, oh yeah. But yeah, instead, yeah, yeah. this story had a fucking happy ending, man. Fuck yeah, it. you were thinking it was going to be like Kalanis Morissette's ironic. I was going to, I thought it was going to be ironic. Yeah. 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 You know, That's what you were thinking. It's like, yes, this is the guy from the song Ironic. This is a yes, this one's going to go down. <laughs> Finally, my ship's come in. I, uh, uh, but yeah, it was a beautiful moment, you know. Yeah. And um, what happened to the guy that usually is nervous? But he was like, when the when Dwayne said, "I thought the plane, I thought the wing was gonna fucking rip off." When he said that, the dude was like, "Stop, stop talking!" <laughs> he's like, he's like, I can't handle it. And then the Dwayne, he was freaking out. He's like, "This fucking shit's beautiful," and there's like kids all around us, and like. <laughs> I was just like, dude, <laughs> you're just in the middle of these two guys. <laughs> like, seriously, like I and I was. I don't know, like the guy behind him at one. The guy behind him was being a fucking cunt. Like he Dwayne dropped his phone. He was so excited. He dropped his phone in between the seat and the panel wall or whatever. And like hit the dude's foot behind us. And Dwayne was like, can you grab that for me, bro? And the dude was just like, no. Like he was being such a little fucking bitch. Or just you should like, have reached hey. back there and got snakes on his ass. Be like, yeah, you just... hand him that goddamn phone for us, smack the fuck out of you. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, like just let the guy enjoy one of life's pleasures, right? Like flying for the first time. 
And a spoiler, it really kind of sucks after <laughs> you get yeah. used to it. Yeah, it's like smoking weed. <laughs> the first time, it's like, man, I don't know, man. It was, uh, so anyways, yeah, I didn't actually see anybody get impaled. That was in the TV show I'm watching. The yeah. kind of shit that I've been dealing with in real life is former felons getting to watch the sunset from 30,000 feet. Man. Beautiful. Kind of gorgeous in a way, isn't it? Yeah. That, Yellowstone is a story about slavery in the 21st century. They brand, <laughs> they brand these guys. Why are they branded? <laughs> what? Well, yeah, I know I it's because think... they get a second chance, but like, it's slavery. it's like some it's like some oh you know when you take the code of Omerta and that uh-huh. that group that doesn't really exist, La Cosa Nostra. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what it like what the equivalent is. Let me ask you a question. Have they taken anybody to the train station yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did. The long black that's train. So, that's so goofy. Dude. <laughs> what? Like, how long is it going to be before? Well, I guess the Ukraine war is winding down. I'm surprised we didn't see any, like, because, you know, every time a photo would emerge from Ukraine, it would be like, a guy with a neo-Nazi tattoo or patch or something. I'm surprised we never saw any like Yellowstone Dutton Ranch uh, patches or or brands. Buddy, hey, I don't know about... Do you think anybody got branded with Yellowstone or got a Yellowstone tattoo? In Ukraine? Well, not oh, in, Ukraine. in real life? Yeah. Yeah. For, you think that's for sure happened? 100% has, had, has it happened. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. God. Yeah, you're so right. Uh, I've seen Dutton Ranch stickers on vehicles. That show, I love the show. It feels, it thinks it has bars. Like the Thomas Rainwater character, he's like, I'm the opposite of progress. I'm the past. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of like, uh, isn't it like a, I don't want to be too crass here, but like there are some parallels to the current situation and, and like through a dumb guy's lens, of course, but oh, with uh Israel Palestine, yeah, I guess so, yeah, and why it's settler colonialism, yeah. I don't want to play fast and loose with that, but it does <laughs> <Let's> do it, <laughs> it does. There's also like just like a lot of casual racism in it, yeah. like very flagrant racism, like when the Chinese tourists are there. I lost my shit. Just like what in America, fuck? we don't we don't share land. <laughs> I love that shit. Like, why, why are they there? Like, didn't two of them die like a very gruesome death? Yeah, like remember they're like falling off the thing, and the bear's there, but <laughs> Rip is like there to save the day. But well, the one the guy won't about, listen, and they both. The thing about that episode. Uh, that episode is the episode where you really like John Dutton's cancer really starts, you know, spoiler, but John Dutton's cancer is like, he's got, I got a sore, I got a sore stomach. My tummy hurts. And he's like throwing up blood and shit. The, but he gets up every day like a real man. That's exactly right. Yeah. The, also, um, also, this is a man with stomach cancer that eats nothing but red meat. <laughs> Red meat fucks the governor of the state. Yes. <laughs> is racist to Chinese tourists. Sa- saves his grandson from a fucking raging river with cancer. Like, I- yeah. anyways, 
that episode, the bear, it like, dude, I, oh man, the bear, the episode is titled the monster among us or something like that. The bear, the <laughs> you bear, know, Sharon is like, yeah, this is bars. Yeah, dude. The bear is supposed to be a metaphor. I, I shit you not. The it, bear is, it, suppo- it's supposed to be a metaphor for John Dutton's cancer. Like that's like, that's the thing. It's, like, I was thinking a little more literal. I was thinking like the Chinese tourists, the bear, like the the, the encroachment from the east <laughs> on the western way of life. You're right. Fuck. You know? Do you think he's that? Do you think he's that clever though? <laughs> Not that it would be that clever. It's a little on the nose. See, I think he think I think he thinks he's very clever, and I think that's why he was trying to draw a parallel between the bear and the cancer. It's like, man, when you really think about it, it's all around us all the time, man. Man, the beast is lives within and. When that flip, when that switch flips and it mm. turns to cancer, yeah, man, man, I, I don't know, I, obviously, I'm only through season one, so I need to, like, let it stew a little bit longer. But I will say this: one more scene, I'll point out. There's a scene like in the second or third episode when Rip takes Beth Dutton out on a date, and they're watching some coyotes, or or maybe even wolves eat a. Um, an elk and she's like look at it she's like in the city when something dies they zip it up and they get it out of there out here they just let everything lay out it's like <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about it's so it's so dumb dude no <laughs> trust me i mean you're from out you're from uh, southwest uh-huh I'm from here everybody zips things up there <laughs> <laughs> It's not that much of it. There's nothing I hate than that kind of shit. Or it's like, oh, this is this this is the real way of life, and everybody else is the, you know, what the little pussy city slicker. It keeps it keeps driving that home, especially in the scene where like Beth takes out the big developer and you know tries to get his ass kicked by shit kickers, yeah, and and uh, and he's like, I'll leave you to your own kind. It's like. White people with a lot of money. (laughs) Like what? Like the Nate? He's implying that like they're the natives, right? Right. I don't know. The way he writes women is so fucking bizarre. Like wait till you get to the spinoffs because you're gonna have to go watch the spinoffs. One with like Helen Mirren and Clint Aaron, Clint Eastwood. I'm gonna have Harrison Ford. I'm absolutely gonna have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Damn. Um. All right. Well, I'm a. That's you know. That's Yellowstone. Um, <laughs> we'll pick that thread back up. Uh, I had a few articles to cover today. Um, maybe just one, if we can't get through both. Um, the first one. It, I just read it right before we started rec- recording. It is a very weird, disorienting <laughs> premise because it's by Max Boot who is um you know obviously an inveterate piece of shit but like <laughs> i i read it and i was like go oh. like i read the headline i was like maybe he's finally starting to uh see the error of his ways because the headline is gaza and ukraine are very different wars but they teach similar lessons <laughs> um and so i was like okay well like maybe he maybe he sees the parallels here not so my friend that he he doesn't see the parallels <laughs> Um, 
said, at first glance, the wars in Gaza and Ukraine don't appear to have much in common. The fight in Ukraine is a conventional conflict to, pitting two states against each other, while the Gaza war pits a conventional military against a terrorist organization. Um, okay, he's, he's, he's lost the plot already. Yeah. yeah. Yet, as I've been talking in recent weeks with current and retired U.S. generals and civilian analysts who are studying both conflicts. Is that I, what we are, civilian analysts? We are civilian analysts. Yeah. <laughs> I love being a civilian analyst. Best get going. Um, we're studying both conflicts. Uh, I have concluded that they actually re- reinforce many of the same lessons. Hamas isn't just a terrorist organization, after all. It's a quasi-governmental entity that entered the war with an estimated 30,000 fighters. And just like the Russian army in Ukraine, it has engaged in terrible war crimes. Engaged, it started with 30,000 fighters and have so far lost 68. (laughs) (laughs) Just that sentence is... um, it's It's just like someone taking... It's like someone taking a fucking at the back of your head and slamming it against the the bar in Bozeman, Montana. <laughs> in both cases, the brutal violence is intended to terrorize its enemies into surrender. Hamas leaders appear to not care about the terrible costs inflicted on civilians or even on their own fighters by the war they started on October 7th. Note that they don't open their tunnels to shelter civilians from Israeli bombing. The wars... In both Gaza and Ukraine should remind complacent Western leaders that our adversaries do not share our liberal values and thus are much less casualty conscious than Western militaries are. I mean, dude, I mean, just obviously it doesn't matter pointing it out to a fucking moron like this. Not even a moron. This is not a moron. This is an evil person, right? right like an right, evil right, spirit right. Has, embod- has come to inhabit his fucking flesh. But like, I just a lot of work has to go into denying that Israel has killed 20,000 upwards of 20,000 people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, uh, this is, this is a special kind of delusion here. Yeah. And it, and reading it, like I said, it, it, I don't know. It is a kind of like whiplash because it's like you go into it thinking like, Oh, maybe it'll draw some parallels, but, um, it's like an insight into the pure ideology. Like, I don't know, like, did you see right before, just a few hours ago, did you see that statement from Anthony Blinken huh. about journalists? No. What did he say? Oh, God. He said, this has been an extraordinarily dangerous year for press around the world. Many killed, many more wounded, hundreds detained, attacked, threatened, injured, simply for doing their jobs. I am profoundly grateful to the press for getting accurate, timely information to the people. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's... That's almost like... That's spoken almost like somebody that had something to do with killing some journalists. <laughs> <laughs> right. Me, myself, I'm proud of these brave men and women that have given their lives for... Uh-huh. You know. Um Ukraine's commander- not at all. I did I did not at all. We did not at all fund this. <laughs> well, it's the same it's- basically the US basically paid to take a hit out on several journalists on Gaza. Just kind of, ostensibly that's what's going on here. I think part of the thing is is like looking back on this now, you're right, a hundred percent. Israel has intentionally targeted journalists and the u.s provided them with their exact gps coordinates and whereabouts like 100 percent. yes 
just keep your bombs away from from uh yeah the yeah, longitude <laughs> latitude da, da, da. right exactly yeah the journalists are there stay away from there oh oh you flat oh hmm. yeah well nevertheless well also for future reference stay away from this place this place this place and this place too yeah it's it's just i think that uh it's interesting to look back on this now it was in the weeks after october 7th a very obvious like oh this is, you know, obviously the United States just doing its thing when you see Blinken like going in front of Congress and saying, like, we cannot allow Russia to bomb hospitals. Right. And then mm -hmm. like at the same week that Israel's bombing hospitals and and we're just like, oh, ha -ha, rubber room. They're trying to make us insane. But it will actually be a very like strange irony to look back on in like three or four hundred years to be like. It really is wild to have these two wars sort of consecutively linked to each other, right? Where yeah. like you have Russia, you know, in the way that they have painted them, like you've got Israel doing the basically the crimes that they have accused Russia of doing, and which I assume Russia has done. And in the way they've painted Ukraine, and again, I'm making a trite point here, but in the way they've painted Ukraine for that to basically be kind of like what's going on with gaza it's like can you ask for a better historical sort of irony to have those two things in such close temporal proximity like right back to back with each other right that's right. crazy and really just it is it just laying bare like the sort of hollowness of all the things we consider values yeah right 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 it's very weird it's i don't know um so uh, Ukraine's commander, General Valery Zaluzhny, recently admitted to The Economist that he was wrong to believe that he could stop the Russian onslaught by inflicting heavy, heavy casualties on the invaders. But even though U.S. intelligence estimates that 315,000 Russian troops have been killed or wounded, Putin keeps on attacking. So, too, Israeli commanders are mistaken if they think inflicting pain and suffering on Palestinian civilians will lead Hamas to stop fighting. This is known to intelligence analysts as mirror imaging, and it's a critical mistake to avoid. What do you what do you know about mirror imaging, dog? I've never heard this term. You never heard that term? Mm -mm. I don't. I've never heard it either. I thought Except that's for when I'm compared to Robert Pattinson, <laughs> uh, but in the military context, I don't. I don't know. Uh, it's got something to do with. It's a term intelligence analysts use for assuming that your opponents will act and think as you would. Oh, Dan, that's, oh. Some, that's some Beth Dutton shit, man. Yeah. She's like. So, have you got to the part where they try to blow Beth up yet? No. Oh, Dan, never mind. It doesn't happen. <laughs> Dude, you could spoil it. I don't give a shit. It's like I mostly just watch for the reason every other American watches, and that's the horses. I just watch for the horses. <laughs> Yeah, I just think it's cool. They do those show ponies and they slide them and stuff. <laughs> I think that's tight. Um, General James E. Rainey, commander of the U.S. Army Futures Command. What is the fucking U.S. Army Futures Command? I don't sound like the sound of that. Army Futures Command. United States Command that runs modernization projects. It is headquartered in Austin, Texas. What? What is that? I'm just going to have to tell you something. There's some unholy things going on at your alma mater and thereabouts. Is it true? <laughs> I mean, really a cursed place. 
It really is. I mean, um, Army Futures Command was established by Secretary of the Army Mark Esper in 2018 to improve Army acquisition by creating better requirements and reducing the time to develop a system to meet them. Okay, so I guess it's just like buying. Their motto is Forge the Future, and their insignia is an anvil. Dog, you can't have an anvil as your... It's like Looney Tunes shit. Yeah, it's like what kind of acme? Like, what are you? What are you, you just going around? Uh, yeah, dropping pianos on people and their teeth or keys? Like, what's going on? What's what are the weapons of modern warfare? Painting, painting black holes on the side of mountains with roads going. To... Uh huh. They're bombing ISIS forces in Iraq, and like they drop an anvil and it goes into the ground and stretches the ground into the hole. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're pushing their enemies off a cliff, and it's like 30 seconds before they realize nothing's underneath them. <laughs> um, blah, blah, blah. Attacking is particularly hard to do in cities where buildings offer cover for defenders and civilians are in line of fire. Ukraine has seen a series of bloody battles waged in and around Mariupol. Now, in the Gaza Strip, Israeli forces are fighting simultaneously in two major urban areas, Gaza City and Khan Yunus where Hamas's vast tunnel network presents another threat dimension. Given that about 68% of the world's population will be living in cities by 2050, it's vitally important to master what the U.S. military calls MOUT, military operations on urbanized terrain. Now, I guess you could think that if you were uh, anyone other than John Dutton, fucking... <laughs> and, John uh, Dutton will continue to wage his warfare in the sticks. That's right. There was... Then I like John Dutton's like main adversary in like the season one, like that developer who wants to make that shit so he diverts his river. He's got a line in in the first episode that's like, "Cities are the sunset of civilization." Yeah, <laughs> Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah. Dutton's got a slightly different take on the situation. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, like Dutton. Like, that's the thing. It positions him. Jesus, this is episode is turning into a Yellowstone episode. It positions him between the developer who is progress in the future and Thomas Rainwater, who is the past. The past. He's going to yeah. catch up with him. And uh, Dutton's got a decision to make. Yeah. And is he going to embrace modernity or is he going to turn to the past? Mm hmm. I mean, that's the that's the thing. It's and like he enlists his son to like run for attorney general or like his son wants to run for attorney general. I mean, that that's a very, which is funny because it's a very liberal impulse. Uh-huh. So well, I want, I want to need you to take the reins of power so we can stay in power. That's a good John Dutton, dude. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like, it's almost like, um, uh, yeah, he's almost like talking like Christian Bale's Batman. Yeah, dude. Do you ever answer me this, and you can spoil this for me. Another Taylor Sheridan trope is the flashback. Like, in Wind River, there's a flashback right at the moment. Like, Taylor Sheridan has to give you flashbacks to tell you, like, why the scene you're about to see is important. Yeah. He does this all the time. And um, it's all throughout Yellowstone. Like, and in all the flashbacks of John Dutton in his 30s, he's got a mustache. 
Do we ever find out what traumatic event made him finally shave the mustache? Why oh does... yeah, yeah. Like young John Dutton kind of looks like. Uh... <laughs> yeah, he does look. He does look kind of wild, doesn't he? <laughs> why is he got? Why is he got a mustache and he lost it? What's the fuck? What the fuck? Now nah, mustache is something you ride on out, you know. Yeah. Unless you're, you know, one of today's boys and you just have a little crusty one just to. Yeah, dude. Just because I know in right now. I know a guy pushing 80 who's had a mustache for 50 years. You, you, once you get a mustache, you got to be about that life. You have you're to be about it that life. Right. Yeah. If, you, <laughs> if you're wearing one now, I don't want you to abandon it when it's not cool anymore. Tom Selleck never abandoned it. That's right, dude. Exactly. You know, Burt Reynolds I, never abandoned it. This is the kind of coward John Dutton is. He fucking shaved his mustache like a little bitch. Already shows lack of conviction, honestly. <laughs> Another lesson taught in Ukraine and reinforced in Gaza is that we must engage and win the information war, said retired U.S. Navy Admiral James Stavridis, a former Supreme Allied Commander of Europe, told me. What the fuck, man? What a book. This means dominating the news cycle, producing compelling visual content, think TikTok-style video, and putting forth competent, believable spokesmen. You guys are doing great at that. Keep it up. You're doing fucking John Kirby. You're doing great. You guys are doing just fine. Fucking Jesus Christ. I like how the, the military apparatus is just so weird now. Like there's all these new agencies popping up. Like it used to be basically just the Navy, the Army, the Air Force, right? Uh -huh. And like the Coast Guard sort of loosely tied to it, you know, in the same way. Mm hmm. Now you've got Space Force. Now you've got this new, the Anvil thing. The, the Anvil. The Anvil. And they, it, it popped up in 2018. Popped up under Trump. Two years into Trump. I know. You know? Just like, yeah, serve my country. Like, where, where'd you, were you in the shit? Did you see combat? Nah, I was pushing anvils out of the back of a, a B-24 bomb. Yeah, nah, I was, uh, I was more focused on the future. <laughs> Also, another thing is, how are you going to have like a the future of combat agency or whatever the fuck it's called uh -huh. when you're living in a country with no goddamn future? <laughs> living for the moment, living for the yeah. weekend. Yeah, they need to retitle this the <laughs> the the today's combat. You know, um, Ukraine has done a better job of information oper operations than Israel because it has a better story to tell. It is the victim of unprovoked aggression, and it is not killing Russian civilians. The civilian, what? Um, the civilian death toll. Israel is the victim of unprovoked aggression, and it is not killing Russian civilians. This is such a confusing statement because I don't know if it's talking about Israel or Ukraine. Anyways, maybe he was drunk or other. Is that another thing? Israel. <laughs> Man, Israel's not killed the first Russian. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Israel's out here killing all these Russians. They go, okay, Max. Right, um, uh, the civilian death toll is entirely on Ukraine's side, helping to generate popular sympathy for its cause. By contrast, Hamas uses Palestinians as human shields, making it inevitable. Dude, it is wild that... um. Because here's the thing. It is wild to see, again, I'm not pointing out anything nobody hasn't already pointed out that we haven't already noticed, but like they have to explain why it's okay to kill 20,000 people, right? Because right. like they see a child get killed and buried in rubble and they're like, oh, that's bad. 
A child shouldn't be killed and buried. Oh, it's because Hamas used them as a yeah. Like, oh, that's right. That's right. They used them. They saw the. Well, do they ever stop to ask why, like the Israeli bombs are like raining down, and then they're just like, "Hey, go grab me, go grab me a seven-year-old, right?" So I could shield myself from this bomb, right? It's like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Grow up. Also, how would that work? I don't know, man. The human shields thing is completely disgusting. It's asinine on its face. <laughs> it's, it's asinine, right? But it's also like reading this that the same week that there was um there emerged a few days ago video and photos of Palestinians that had been rounded up and I think like taken to like a stadium or something. And there was fucking children in those photos and videos. And I mean, I don't know. It's just like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see how I don't see anybody being used as a human shield here. I just see like children being abducted and taken from their families. Like Israel is using Palestinians as human shields, literally. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I'm done. Re I'm done reading. Fucking das Max boot. boot, the boot, Das Boot. I'm done reading Das Boot. Um, I wanted to read another article from uh, Ross Duthat, uh, because it was about the Colorado Supreme Court ruling which we discussed a little bit on the last Patreon app, but um, I wanted to dig in a little bit uh, because Ross has got a counterfactual. Ross oh, loves, God. He's, he came with a fucking counterfactual. He, he came to the Christmas dinner. Everyone's like, hey, I brought the dressing. Look, hey, I brought the turkey. Ross is like, hey, I brought a counterfactual. <laughs> Everybody's interested. <laughs> Just something to chew on here. <laughs> chew on. Um. Ross writes, okay, this is the, the title of this is The Anti-Democratic Quest to Save Democracy from Trump. Let's consider a counterfactual. In the autumn of 2016... <laughs> My God, you weren't lying right out of the gate. <laughs> in the autumn of 2016, with American liberalism reeling from the election of Donald Trump, a shattered Hillary Clinton embraces the effort to pin all the blame on Vladimir Putin. She barnstorms the country, arguing that the election was fundamentally illegitimate because of foreign interference. She endorses every attempt to prove that Russian disinformation warped the result. She touts conspiracy theories that supposedly prove that voting machines in Wisconsin were hacked. <clears throat> she argues that her opponent should not be allowed to take office, that he's a possible Manchurian candidate, a Russian's cat paw. <laughs> and she urges Democrats in Congress and Vice President Joe Biden to refuse to certify the election suggesting that it could somehow be rerun or even that patriotic legislators could use their constitutional authority to make her the popular what vote winner. What she said about my uncle rerun? <laughs> the rerun's a Manchurian candidate. <laughs> He's a Hamilton elector is what it is. <laughs> her hey, brother, I ain't voting for no Joe Biden. <laughs> it's the will of the people, rerun. You have to. I refuse, brother. <laughs> Mm. Her crusade summons up a mass movement, youthful, multiracial, and left-wing. On January 6, 2017, a crowd descends on the National Mall to demand that Trump the traitor be denied the White House. Clinton stirs them up with an angry speech, and protesters attack and overwhelm the Capitol Police and surge into the Capitol, where one is shot by a police officer, and the rest mill around for a while and finally disperse. The election is still certified— Trump becomes president two weeks later, but he is ineffective and unpopular, 
And it looks as though Clinton, who is still denying his legitimacy, will be the Democratic nominee again, at which point right-wing legal advocacy groups announce an effort to have her removed from primary ballots. Um, following the guidance of originalist scholars who argue that under the 14th Amendment, she has betrayed her senatorial oath by fomenting insurrection and is ineligible to hold political office. Is she? Okay, before we go any further, let me stop here. Here's, here's, he comes around and says, listen, put the shoe on the other foot <laughs> for a second. I think it should be a writing... I'm sure this is like in the fucking annals of rhetoric or something. Maybe this is a straw man or a fucking something like that. But like, I feel like if you're going to write something, you cannot pick a counterfactual or a hypothetical scenario that would never, ever, ever in a million fucking years happen. Like, you might as well open up with something that's like, let's do a counterfactual. Imagine Gandhi strapped on a suicide vest and blew up 30,000 people in a shopping mall or something. It's like... That yeah, would wouldn't be Mark. so wavy gravy then, would it? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Martin Luther King gunned down 30 people at a at the Washington mo- Monument. It's like... Dude, the, you can't pick a counterfactual that would never in a million years happen. And never in a million years would a Democratic nominee try to decertify election results. Like, I mean, case in point, Hillary Clinton did win that election, right? By, like, right. the fucking popular, popular vote. vote. yeah. It's like, they and they didn't do shit. Like, they, they, you can already see their assholes tightening up about that Colorado Supreme Court decision. Like, they don't want it. They're like, no, 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 no. That looks no, no, like no. winning. no. No, no, we're no, gonna no, no, have no. to govern. <laughs> like they, you don't understand. We just want to raise money and hang out with famous people. <laughs> like they don't want, and especially they don't want to win if it's like done by any quote unquote anti-democratic maneuverings or whatever. All right, which I don't care about, honestly. The longer I live, the older I get, the less of a Democrat, small D Democrat I get. The more of an authoritarian I become. Like, yeah. I don't <laughs> fucking care, man. All right. <laughs> like, I, I'm i under no illusions as to what is happening to this country. It's already fucking going down the tubes, man. Just fucking... Well, just uh, go somewhere with a, a group of people and try to get 10 opinions on what we should do for dinner. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's best just to have somebody just take the reins. Just someone tell someone. People need to be told what to do. Yeah. People Look, don't people, need a lot of choices. They need the right choices. Yeah. You know. I mean, this is the thing. Like I, I would relish the opportunity to be supreme leader. Like I would. I would love that. Oh, it's a man. good. It'd be a good job for me. I could. I couldn't be trusted. It'd be too much pressure, or like you would make some fucked up decisions. No, I can make some decisions. I would just be like, I would get bogged down in minutia. Mm. You know, that's where I get. I would just want to be like, you know, these people that are like, man, they wouldn't want me to be the president. I'd go in there and clean house day one. I'd Uh fire them all. You know, Mm -hmm. I got that part down pat. It'd be just what you do afterward. That's you know. That's that. This is the thing, Tom. I have a fucking solution for that. 
That's a you just shoot everybody. Just fucking shoot them all. You don't have to deal with the future or anything. <laughs> I like how in the Russian Revolution, in the Bolshevik Revolution, like the Bolsheviks inherited the Tsars. Like they were under house arrest and they basically inherited it from like the Kerensky government, like from the liberal yeah. government. And like it just became this question for like a long time like, what do we fucking do with the Tsars, man? Like the Romanovs. Like what are we going to do? And then finally Lenin was like, uh, just go fucking shoot him, man. Fuck. Like, <laughs> I don't know what else to do. We just got to get rid of this problem. <laughs> just go well, shoot him. <laughs> in Ethiopia, they let Haile Selassie live in his, live in his, uh, you know, like some of his royal quarters with his big cats or something. Oh yeah. You know, that's that's a little that's a little on the nice side. That is on the nice side. Yeah. How you handle it's how you handle it. You know. Right. Right. You know, shoot them, shoot them if you want to let them just like hang out and feel like a special boy with their big cats. Just big yeah, do that too. You know, uh-huh. whatever. We could do that. Fire all of them and then give them big cats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's what we do we don't shoot anybody, we just put them as like the handlers of big cats because one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to see some powerful, beautiful interspecies friendships uh, blossom. Or they're going to be eaten. And that takes care of your problem, too. <laughs> either way, it's an inspirational story. Yeah, either way, it's great. <laughs> you just have... You just, <laughs> imagine the Arab Spring hit, and instead of putting Hosni Mubarak in tennis jail, now he's rehabbing a, a, a Bengal tiger with a hurt paw. Maybe he gets eaten. Maybe it grows old and big enough to eat him. Maybe it's a powerful friendship that blossoms, and that's... <laughs> Either way, either way, friends. Either way. It just speaks to the power of the human spirit. <laughs> oh, man. Great. Great uh, solution. Um, no doubt some some readers, firm in the consistency required by the current effort to remove Trump from the 24 presidential ballot, will bite the bullet and say that in this hypothetical scenario, yes, she is. I forgot what she is. Uh, she's betrayed her oath, senatorial oath, by fomenting insurrection and is ineligible to hold office. Others will pick apart my attempted parallel. Well, Ross, well, why'd you pick that parallel then? If you didn't want us to pick it apart. Yes, smarty britches. <laughs> Insisting, say that it makes all the difference that Russia's interference efforts were real, whereas the voter fraud claimed by Trump was not, or arguing that Trump's conspiracy was more comprehensive than what I've just described. My view is that you can construct the analogy any way you like. Again, Ross, doesn't work like that. You gave us the analogy. Um, <laughs> Walk it out, coward. <laughs> yeah. Had Clinton- hey, don't bring a counterfactual to dinner if you don't want to serve it up. Okay? <laughs> don't bring us a counterfactual to dinner. We're going to have to stick back in the oven at 400 degrees for 20 more minutes, okay? <laughs> Had Clinton explicitly tried to induce Congress to overturn the result of the 2016 race and had a left-wing protest on her behalf turned into a certification-disrupting riot, almost none of the people currently insisting that we need to take the challenge. Dude, the funniest thing about this is that, like, if she had done that, right? If she had done that, which, okay, let's say, let's do our own counterfactual. The Pussy Hat March, which was like the largest protest in like fucking world history or some shit. Imagine it went south and they fucking, the Pussy Hat riot, like they stormed the barricades at fucking Congress 
and installed God Queen Hillary as president, technically they would be fully within their rights of doing so because she fucking won the popular vote, right? right? right, right. It's like, dude, I mean, again, I don't care. I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Uh, so and I don't fuck. She's stupid as fuck. Anyways, like in I don't fact, really care. In fact, I punched one in for Trump on a on a on a jape, <laughs> on a lark. <laughs> the funny thing about this stuff, dude, like it's like the people saying like if you don't vote for Trump or Biden, it's a vote for Trump. And I like get defensive and I'm like, well, fuck you. And then I forgot. Like I've kind of given myself amnesia, man. Like I've only voted for a Democrat like once in my life in a presidential election. That was 2020. I voted for Biden just because it was like the fucking pandemic and it's like, well, Trump is not really handling this well. And I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. You, 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 you kind of graded Trump's performance and gave him a, a C plus and decided <laughs> that you couldn't abide that. Yeah. I don't know why I, I was just at the fucking gym where the voting polls were. And so I was like, I'll go plug one for Biden. Yeah. Uh, but you that's know? the only time. Every other election I've voted for, like, Green Party bullshit, like fucking Jill Stein or Nader or some shit. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, what was it? What was it? Okay. Uh, almost none of the people currently insisting that we need to take the challenge to Trump's ballot access very seriously would be saying the same about a challenge to her eligibility. Instead, they would be accusing that challenge of being incipiently authoritarian, a right-wing attack on our sacred democracy. And they would have a point. Removing an opposition candidate from the ballot, indeed, a candidate currently leading in some polling averages, uh, pending the economic boom of 2024 that we can all hope is coming, through the exercise of judicial power is a remarkably anti-democratic act. It is more anti-democratic than impeachment because the impeachers and convictors are themselves democratically elected. He's talking about the representatives and senators and subject to swift democratic punishment. It is more anti-democratic than putting an opposition politician on trial because the voters who regard that trial as illegitimate are still allowed to vote for an indicted or convicted politician, as almost a million Americans did for Eugene V. Debs in 1920. Uh, you know, I mean, we wouldn't even be having this conversation if Trump had just locked her up, man. Why the fuck didn't he just do that? That's true. That's true. Memories is like, nah, it's the like, we don't want to do that. We don't care about that anymore, do we? <laughs> Isn't it crazy that a million people voted for Eugene V. Debs in 2020? That's so tight. That's pretty good voter turnout, especially yeah. for a man in jail. Yeah. And at the time. Sometimes the rules of a republic require doing anti democratic things. But if the rule you claim to be invoking treats January 6th as the same kind of event, as the secession of the Confederacy, consider that possibility the possibility that you have taken the tropes of anti-Trump punditry too literally. Okay, now we get an interesting thing from Ross. Is January 6th akin to the firing on, what is it, Fort Sumter yeah. by South Carolina, yeah. by the secession of the states? Is this treason in the highest uh, regard or order? <laughs> is this treason? How, like, how are we treating it all? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like history moved a lot slower back then. Like, you have these events, and then sometimes, like, something happens two years later. Uh-huh. Like, if there, if, you know, if, you know, there's this new movie Civil War coming out and all this kind of stuff, it's, uh-huh. 
showing the, you know, America's divided and here's what's going to happen if it doesn't keep going. Right. Well, we read in the history books or just on a PDF on a screen one day that <laughs> the opening salvo of the Civil War was, in fact, J6. Uh-huh. You're right. You're right. Like, we don't know that for a fact. It could be, man. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, we'll never have a civil war in this country like the first one because the political economy of the South was confined to the South. The political right. economy of the North was confined to the North. You, it really was kind of about sectionalism. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Two modes of production going to war. This is about memes. This is about memes. <laughs> and largely how like our, our brains have been uh, molded by like our content, our consumption choices. Also, let me just tell you this. Just, you know... Like every driving... ought you have against your fellow man is completely made up. Right, exactly. And you'll really realize is. that once you get on the battlefield. You're, sh- you're getting shot at? Yeah. Look, look, I've been shot at. Not intentionally i don't think somebody was shooting at me because they intentionally knew i terrence ray was there and i needed to die however <laughs> i haven't ruled it out though <laughs> i can't rule it out i did hear bullets whizzing by and so you you re you rethink some stuff in that moment one of which if you're in the civil war you'll be thinking like do i really want to get fucking killed for a meme Am I really mad at all those guys, like, just really scared of dying that take their AVI pictures with a seatbelt on and (laughs) see their car, you know? And also, here's the thing, just to drive the point home from what we were saying a minute ago. People in America can't take orders. They won't take orders. You, You To have a civil war, you have to have an army. And, like, no one is taking fucking orders from anybody. I'm an individual, motherfucker. I'm unique. Yeah, that's the that's like sort of the grand thing. Like we always talk about individualism as a as like an impediment to like collective or mass action or whatever you want to call it. And that's true, but it's also an impediment to like all these like militia fantasies that all these fucking losers have. To- <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the right wingers are just as afflicted, maybe even more so than the left is about this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like having to be a unique little butterfly, fucking snowflake. Like, they're not going to fucking take orders from somebody who doesn't, who doesn't like, verify and validate their entire life experience from beginning to end. That's not fucking happening, no. trust me. If someone's trauma is not acknowledged on the battlefield, they're fucking walking away. And I think yeah. the right-wingers are even worse about this than the left-wingers. So, like, no, there's yeah. no civil war. Yeah. There's no civil war coming. The I mean, there is coming, but it's going to be far more banal than we even think. I mean, what our our theory on this for a long time now is that the Civil War is already here. It's just every individual against 350 million other individuals. Right, It's like right. everybody is at war against... Everybody's <laughs> an army of one, essentially, in this Civil War. That's what you don't understand, man. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that for that reason, we will continue having Sometimes shootings. it's three against 350 million if you've got a wife and her boyfriend. But Yeah. Well, that's because... That's, and this is why there's so many school shootings. People are politicized towards terrorism, but, like, they can't actually work in coordination with anybody else. So it's like, if if we were actually to have a civil war on, like, those military terms, you would see people building bombs in their basements and, like, strategically detonating them. All stuff that requires a team of probably six to a dozen to two dozen people. 
say what you want about the Hamas boys, but they had they were a well-oiled machine when they were making those sniper rifles. Absolutely. That video. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work still. Exactly. Can we talk about this? The quicker we learn this, the quicker we can get into a civil war and really get things popping. <laughs> <laughs> like, can we talk about the videos, the Al-Qassam videos, man? Jesus, those are, like, the, I mean, the cut scenes, right? Like, the fucking editing on those things. This is cinema, first it's of all. Re- it's it really is. That. Yeah. Dude, it'll, it'll zoom in. It'll zoom in on a portrait of someone and recompose the next image as like a building or something it's like straight up hitchcock shit it's like really incredible like did you see the one that they shot from the backup rear view mirror camera on the back of a car no yeah man they use the camera dude come on that's like steven soderbergh shit they use the camera on the back of a car that you use for like backing up like a backup cam yeah they use that to like shoot film one of those fucking videos. No Isn't that shit, dude. That is ingenuity. I'm telling you, man. Just like breaking ground, cinematic grounds is like really, and it makes sense, right? Because like movies suck now, and they're just gonna keep getting worse anyway. So yeah, this is it. Yeah. Uh. Anyways, sorry that was a tangent, but. The term insurrection, New York Magazine's Jonathan Chait wrote on Wednesday, is a defensible shorthand for January 6th, but it's not the most precise term because while Trump attempted to secure an unelected second term in office, he was not trying to seize and hold the Capitol nor declare a breakaway republic. I thought that these assholes were calling it an insurrection or a coup, right? Am I am I losing my mind? The like, rallying cry was stop the steal. Uh-huh. Like they were trying to steal the election from them. Right. I Which mean, is, is that it walks not- like a coup and talks like a coup. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and how realistic it was is, you know, whatever. But right. right. They, I think in their heart of hearts, they thought that they were just going to kick their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk and then just kind of stay there. Well, I think the, what, what we found so funny about it, right? Like the comedic, the comedy that we mined from it at the time yeah. was that like it was funny because it was never, ever going to be successful. Even if they murdered everyone in Congress, like, there's still got to be some, like, deep military state that would, like, step in and be like... The kind of funny thing about it was, is, like, they actually probably could have made it happen. Uh Uh-huh. Like, they got further than anybody else. Like, the dumbest people alive got further than (laughs) anybody else. Like, seriously, if you're wrestling with self-doubt or thinking, like, oh, my life is for nothing, I'll never accomplish anything people should take note of, et cetera, Uh et cetera. Just know that a guy wearing a Viking helmet that painted himself up, <laughs> like, really and truly could have maybe murdered Nancy Pelosi if he <laughs> would have just had a little, you know what I mean? Or whoever, you know. Well, I think that, like, what was funny was that it was totally uncoordinated and, like, sort of spur of the moment, right? It was like, yes, Trump did tell them to go there, he did encourage them to do it. And if you're asking me, which, like, I, again, don't really care. I've already made terms with, again, see the Patreon episode from a few days ago. I've made terms with my eventual death in a concentration camp. However, I'm just saying that, like, by their own definitions and norms and standards, like, it seems pretty clear to me that Trump, even if he didn't, like, have, like, 
battle plans drawn up and like formations and like fucking phalanxes and everything, detailed plans. They still tried to do something that would like, yes, in any other country would look pretty much like a coup. Would, or an would look like a coup. Yeah. So it's like, and it was comical because these people are fucking idiots. However, I do think it basically invalidates your. But again, fucking Hillary Clinton murdered how many fucking people across the world during her tenure as Secretary of State? Fucking President Obama running for a second term after all the shit he did in his first. All these people are war criminals and don't have a fucking. Should not be allowed anywhere near the levers of power. Like if we're talking just strictly in ethicist terms. Right. None of them are fit for office right. <laughs> from a moral perspective. That's exactly right. They're all Trump psychopath. is probably honest, honestly the least of those. <laughs> this <laughs> is the funny thing. Dude, Trump, we forget. Bush launched the invasion of Iraq in his first term. That means he got elected in a second term with already like 100,000 bodies on his hands. Not to mention the 3,000 people he killed in the towers. Yeah. Uh, like we forget, Bush was only president for like a year when all that really went down. Nine months. <laughs> Not even, yeah, yeah, nine months, I guess, yeah. So it's like, yes, by yes, by those standards, right? Like, no, none of these people should be allowed anywhere fucking near the levers of power. Right. However, like if Trump is the unique threat that you say he is, and I do lend some credence to that idea, then you take the fucking dub. Just fucking let him. I don't. I could be wrong. As I raised on the Patreon, it could make him into an underdog trying to force him out this way. They should have done this three years ago. But like, if the courts say he can't run, just fucking go along with it, man. <laughs> don't, yeah, so, well, don't be so broad-minded you can't even take the fucking dub. Yeah, don't, don't cut know. your nose off to spot your face. <laughs> it would be funny if he did try to declare a breakaway republic, though. As Chate pointed out. (laughs) What would that look like? I don't know. That's the thing about America. It's why like a a civil war is hard to conceptualize. Because it's like, other than like some states in the South, I guess it's, you know, a breakaway republic would not not include D.C. It would include, what, fucking Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, fucking Tennessee... I mean, yeah. it'd be like the, some of those classic, those classic southern states we all know and love. <laughs> but I don't think it would really work because, like, it would be like if in 2023 the entire economy, the entire political economy of every state in the South was run on coal mining and the entire political economy of every state in the North and the West was run on renewable energy. So it's like, that's how you get the ideological buy-in that actually, you know, puts those two military forces together. That's not really possible now because, like, you have red states, but you have, like, Nashville. You have Atlanta. You have fucking Jackson, Mississippi. You've got, like, these pockets where, like, there's not – it doesn't cleanly fall on these, like, sectionalist lines of the first Civil War. So it's not really going – you can't declare a breakaway republic, I guess. Right. Without like yeah. severe, without incurring like some serious, serious civil unrest, or like it wouldn't be ethnic cleansing; it would be some sort of right, like mass p- population uh, transfers. Yeah. I don't know. Taylor Sheridan should do a civil war. 
show. Uh, show. Yeah, they should have tabbed him to direct the Civil War movie. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like ranchers against... Like, it'd be like ranchers and bike... Because this is the only way he sees America, right? He doesn't see Republicans and Democrats. He sees, like, ranchers, bikers, um, mobsters, which are bi- bikers. Um, he sees, uh, like, uh, federal... He sees white officers. criminality. He sees white criminality. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of the main thing he's preoccupied with. <laughs> And and the encroachment on white criminality, which is like keeps the social order with brown and black criminality. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like just go watch Sons of Anarchy. You know, when the mines show up or the or the what's the black street gang and sons of like the So is is it and is it in his conception that like white gangsters are superior to black gangsters? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, cause look, like look at the bikers in Sons of Anarchy. They're like cool. You know what I mean? All these other people are like kind of like cowboys and barbarians. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Not literal cowboys. Cowboys in the sense they're reckless and but he does whatever. But, but the white said- gangsters are the calculating like smart. Okay. You know what I mean? I see. I guess I think with Yellowstone where it's like it's funny because that show is like at first you're like oh. John Dutton is running a criminal syndicate through this, and he also like, like has some like standing with like the law enforcement community because he's like a he's land what is land yeah like a land officer, and uh, but it's like but it's like but that doesn't like kind of hold because in the later seasons like you just see them like at like a like a barn dance while Tyler Childers is playing in the background or something, <laughs> you know what I mean. And they're like just having fun. Like there's something that happens with Sons of Anarchy and Yellowstone. I've never seen another show where it like gets a little goofy. It buys into its own mythology. Well, it, in the sense, well, also too, like they'll just like be having fun. You know what I mean? Like it'll right. just cut to these like very serious, hardened criminals. And then they'll try to humanize them by like showing them like getting in a water balloon fight or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, like, halfway through the water balloon fight, you'll hear some gunshots ringing out, and it's like some Mexican bikers, like, stole a kid, and <laughs> they got to go get, like, the one of the white guy's kids back off the brown horde, you know? You're right. And they end up cutting a deal and all being friends, or they end up getting, like, this crazy revenge, you know? Well, it posits a fleeting American experience that is, like, a constant threat of being driven out of existence. Yeah. Right. And that's why they're allowed to have like the picnic with the water balloon fight. It's like, yeah, you would normally just be ordinarily good people. However, it's all these other forces in the world that are making us do bad things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is. It is sort of the Chud's version of uh, if Hillary would have won, we'd all be at brunch right now. It's like if 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 we had our way, even hardened criminals could have tickle fights with each other. <laughs> do you think he's do you think he's a lip? You you think Taylor Sheridan's a MAGA guy? Because like I almost no 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 he's for sure not a MAGA guy. He is probably a guy that is probably he's not a liberal. He's not MAGA. He's probably Rogan esque. I would guess. Yeah, I was gonna say like Die Hard. It seems like in two thousand eight there was a kind of like left populism, like Jim Hightower type shit. Remember Jim Hightower? Yeah, the Hightower Report. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's kind of like his deal. Like he's like, 
not he's not leftist. I don't mean that way. He's to the right of that for sure. Right. But he's not MAGA. I think he probably he probably fancies himself like a common sense guy. Like he probably thinks Trump is bad, but he probably like agrees with much of the sentiment in Trump world about like the way the world's ran and how everything's upside down and all this stuff. But he uh -huh. probably thinks it's insane to vote for Trump. Uh huh. He instead thinks that we need a John Wayne character behind the helm, <laughs> an old West lawman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, stay tuned. Watch this space as I continue watching this show, and then maybe we'll have a deeper dive into it. Um, and keep that in mind. Let me just finish these last two paragraphs from Ross. This concession prompted howls of online. The concession. Oh yeah, Chate's concession prompted howls of online derision from his left wing critics. But Chate is obviously crashingly correct. Terrible adverb, Ross. Crashingly. Come yeah. on. There are arguments about precedent and implementation that tell against the case for Trump's ineligibility and prudential arguments about the wisdom of suppressing populist fervor for by judicial fiat. But the most important point is that there are many things a politician can do to subvert a democratic outcome, all of them impeachable and some of them potentially illegal. They're simply not equivalent to military rebellion, even if a bunch of protesters and rioters get involved. To insist otherwise, I mean, I don't. I don't know, man. Like, if you tell them to do that, though, right? Like, again, I don't, I'm not trying to like litigate this or adjudicate it from a liberal perspective or even a leftist perspective. But like, Trump basically told them to do that. He was basically telling them to like string Mike Pence up by stirrups. <laughs> 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 like, I mean, could you imagine if they had succeeded in that? That would have been hilarious. Yeah. They just fucking like strangle Mike Pence, man. <laughs> we could have got something out of this ordeal. Yeah, like would have been hilarious if Trump would have just had his vice president murked. <laughs> like on his way out the door. <laughs> uh -huh. To insist otherwise in the supposed service of the Constitution is to demonstrate yet again that too many would be saviors of our republic would cut a great road through reason and good sense if they could only be assured of finally getting rid of Donald Trump. See, to me, I, I think honestly the opposite. I really don't think that like what you're raising here, Ross, is of any concern. I really don't think so. I really don't think that like any of these libs, they don't have the fucking juice, man. No one has the will to power. There is no Lenin-esque like impulse in any of these people. Like right. the moment they see it's expedient for them to fucking cut bait and get the fuck out, they will. They're not right. going to fucking do anything to impede Trump. Like, no. I I just think that, like, they it makes for good column space in December 2023. But like when rubber meets the road, like they're not going to do shit. They're to not going to do them. shit. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, I want to live in some fucking banana republic shit. Like, fucking take his ass out and, like, execute him on TV like Ceausescu or whatever. Dude, it would be so sick if they gave him a Columbia necktie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to see something like that. I actually want to live in a world where if there's disapproval, we violently remove people. <laughs> or send them to a big cat sanctuary. <laughs> uh, you learn the law of the jungle real quick. Or... I mean you don't, and it's, it's beautiful, just the, and everybody I just wins. Keep, I just keep coming back to, like, the pussy hat march, and it's like, I mean, 
the vast majority of liberals in this country, which I assume to be the vast majority of politically active people, they're I'd say they're vote mostly liberals. I think they outnumber at this point conservatives. Like the whole reason that they stormed the fucking Capitol building in the first place was because they realized that they're outnumbered conservatives. Yeah. They realize that they are an ever dwindling, shrinking uh, portion of the population. That's why you have. That's why you see them rigging the judiciary and doing all this other stuff. Uh, but like the liberals don't have any will or imagination to use their majority, right? Right, right, right. And so. That's why I don't think that this is anything to even really make hay about because what they want to do is they want to use their will and majority to like, you know, have a $10,000 plate dinner with like, you know, yeah, Mark Ruffalo or whoever. (laughs) Well, you see this like on the immigration issue, like there was a big story in the New York Times this morning about like these immigration, like these caravans coming up from Central America and how like the Biden administration hasn't done anything about it and they haven't done anything about it because the minute that they do, they lose another thing to run on. Same thing with Dobbs. I mean, we're making a trite point here. Yeah. Uh, however, just, I'm just pointing out that like, it, it doesn't make any sense really to like get bogged down into the weeds. on like, is this breaking precedent? Is this setting bad precedent? What's this going to, Dog, there's no precedent. There's no future. You can't set precedent <laughs> for a future that will not. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this, right. like, this country has no future. You can't set precedent. <laughs> this country's cooked three ways to Sunday. Wake up. <laughs> yeah, at least in its current form, maybe we can have some sort of like. Oh, there will be a few. There will be a future in a sense. But what that looks like, I think, is an open question. But in terms of what we have known it to be, that's done. Well, it it has to go through. It has to go through some sort of like, what's the transmutation, right? In the same se- in the same way that like the Roman Republic, had to sort of like, go through this like Mister Smith level transformation into the Roman Empire, or or the sort of like Marxist, MCM Prime circuit to like transform money into capital back into you know money prime. Like, it has to go through some sort of transmutation process. Right. Or in the same way that, like, how we slew down the Soviet Union and then raised them up using, like, necromancy from the grave and turned them into, like, the Russian Federation. You know what I mean? Like, you are our enemies. Now you're our allies. But now they're fucking our enemies again because we couldn't keep the lid on that. America will have (laughs) to go through some sort of, like, portal or transmutation where we become... We're still America, but like there's something that's like substantively different, right? Yeah. Turning water into wine, or in this case, it's like turning hay into fucking shit into chicken salad. <laughs> there you go. That chicken shit into chicken salad. <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. Well, I think that's probably a good note to end on thanks for listening this week everybody if you'd like to go hear more of our show please go check us out on patreon um our most recent patreon episode is a banger if i do say so myself you've got me uh interested to know what jim hightower's up to these days yeah what is he doing these days is he still alive i don't know like that's a name 
I have not heard in a long time. I've not even thought of in a long time. He is still alive, age 80. Former commissioner of ag in Texas. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> Succeeded by Rick Perry. When Rick Dang. Perry was still a Democrat. Jim Hightower's lowdown. You can yeah. subscribe and get two newsletters a week. Oh, he's on Substack now. That makes sense. Okay. I mean, I just want to rebrand as a guy that wears a cowboy hat. That's uh, what Jim Hightower does. Jim Hightower probably doesn't even ride horses. But he wears a cowboy hat. Oh, My dude, grandpa. He's, dude, he's already got his January 23-3 newsletter is the Democrats a donkey in a baseball uniform, and he's missing a ground ball. My, oh. my grandpa wore a cowboy hat his whole life, and I never saw him ride a horse once. So yeah. <laughs> I just did it for the fashion. Man. Man, man. I mean, I could I might do it. I might start doing it. I might start wearing it. I wish you would rebrand as a cowboy. I'm gonna start doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start doing it. That'd be so sick. Hell yeah. I might carry around a shit six shooter. Me and you should rebrand as truck. You should just go full bolo tie, cowboy hat, and boots, and I'll just wear a coonskin cap and overalls. Let's become archetypes, Tom. Yeah, and I'll just chew on straw all day. <laughs> I mean, I used to work with this guy. Shout out Jack, Jack Seitz. I don't, I don't think he would be embarrassed to be associated with me or to hear me re-quoting him on this podcast. But he told me one time, uh, he's from West Virginia, and and like when we first met, I told him I was from New Mexico, and he's like, he, I, I always remember this. He said, "You you you Westerners, man, like, you know, give you a hundred thousand acres, and all you'll do is just spend it. You'll spend the your whole life just mending fences. You give a hillbilly a hundred acres, and they'll work every goddamn square inch of it your entire <laughs> that life." That is true. And I was like, man, that that is, <laughs> it is the truth. <laughs> yeah you people do have an embarrassment of riches yeah well i mean i was raised nowhere near a farm or a ranch so, <laughs> <laughs> so i'll have you know sir i i am no cowboy <laughs> um okay go to the patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash trillbilly workers party and please go support us like i said the most recent episodes of banger um and I think it's the the last. Why did I do that? Did you hear that? Is that the High Tower report? That was the High Tower. <laughs> the uh, most recent episode, I think, will be the last Patreon episode of the year, most likely. So, or maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. But anyways, go to Patreon and check it out. Regardless, um, I guess this will be the last free episode of the year. So. You know, do you want to hear our end of year uh, takes, uh, conclusions, whatever? Go to Patreon, and uh, maybe we can get some good. I don't, I don't know. The only year we did an end of year wrap up was twenty twenty because that was like a momentous year in human history, right? Like yeah. we had to that year. Yeah. Uh, twenty twenty four might be as well, but for like all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Okay. Um, anyways, please go check out our Patreon and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>